Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parent in Hell with... Amelia, can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. And Josh Whittacombe? Josh Whittacombe. Oh, that's nice. Very sweet. Yeah. Lincoln. Uh, Stoke and Trent. Oh, not, not close, was it? Hi, Josh and Rob. This is my three-year-old daughter, Amelia, introducing your podcast. I've been wanting to do this for about a year, but she's never played ball until this time. For Rob's guessing game, we're from Stoke-on-Trent. Make sure you come to Stoke on your next tour. Rob, are you going to Stoke? Yes, I am. Love Stoke. I think I'm doing Victoria Hall. Yeah, does that, that's, does that's that, ring about, a bell? that will be where you're doing. That'll be what also, I'm doing. I did say well done after the intro, but ended the recording too early. Um, okay, how are you? Me, good. Vibing, how are you? Good, vibing. I'm just loving, just loving it. Just loving life. How's the tour being on sale, Rob? Um, exciting, bit nervous, because um, I've got like, the sh- I've been doing the show, writing the show, but it's um, it's still a long way off it's starting, but it does exist. Yeah, it's, it's, where, it, it, it's where it should be. Exactly, because if it was ready now, then it, I'd, I'd be bored of it and it'd be crap by November. Yeah. But when you know people are organising their life and you've got a show. But I mean, I love, I love writing the show. So you're starting bef- just before Christmas in November? Yes. Well, because I was going to start in January, but I was like, I don't want to be it hanging over me. Yeah, over yeah. Christmas. Just thought, just bloody sod it, just go. Uh-huh. I always use the David Bowie quote, you know, the one he talks about being creative and challenging yourself. You need to be out in the water when your feet just don't touch the bottom. Yeah, pushing yourself slightly more. Yeah, but, um, no, I, I love it. That is, you've often been seen as the comedy David Bowie. Do you know what? I just feel like this show is going to be where I really stretch my legs artistically. Oh, I'm glad. Well, if you know anyone, I mean? yeah. Well, as uh, I was very thrilled when we announced it on here. Well, good luck with it all, Rob. When are you doing yours then? Wow, that's under wraps. Sign up to the bloody mailing list. <laughs> It's a bit of an underground thing, a bit yeah, of a word of mouth. What do you mean, doing my tour? I might not be doing a tour. Um, yeah, uh, well, you'll be the first to hear about it on here. That's Absolutely. exciting. Absolutely, the first. Um, Tom Aspinall today. Tom Aspinall, yes. This is exciting having Tom Aspinall on. He's, um, I'm a big UFC fan, and he's a big, scary UFC fighter, but he's actually quite a normal, nice bloke. But, yeah, he was just, like, sat, like, on the corner of, like, an old chair, having a chat on a laptop, it didn't really give you the sort of heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson, <laughs> a tiger on a chain, five Bentley's vibes. You know what no, I mean? But No, I like that. But I don't think he ever will get like that because he's such a, he's quite a normal guy. He's got three kids, which you'll hear about. Uh, one of them's well good on the Rubik's Cube. Um, oh man, that is just my absolute, that is just so good hearing about that. I was fascinated by the Rubik's Cube. Um, yeah, so it's a good, it's a very good interview. So if you're not um, a UFC fan or a fighting fan, there's loads in there because he's very much. I wouldn't say it was overly UFC heavy. No, I enjoyed it, and I'm not a UFC uh, nut aficionado. I'm not an aficionado. You know what? No one is an aficionado. Aficionado. Everyone just uses that to go. Well, I'm not obviously. I'm not a UFC aficionado. But no one goes. Do you know what I am? A UFC aficionado. <laughs> it only gets used to tell someone you don't know about yeah, something. Yeah. 
That sounds so a bit... Uh, bloody hell, Rob the tour is coming on well. <laughs> I was doing a, I was doing a, a, a gig at the weekend, the, the other weekend with uh, Daniel Kitson was emceeing. Oh yeah, which is always quite intimidating because he's the best. He's the best, but he sort of does all arty stuff. And then um, yeah, he hasn't got any kids, so we're not interested. Yeah, really. Um, I'm trying to get Tim Key on here because he's godparents like six or seven kids. Oh, is or something. He? Yeah, but um, I don't now. think he's keen. Um, well, I said, what's your alternative, Tim? You just go on like XFM or off menu and they talk to you about Alan Partridge again. Come on here. Um, so if you want Tim Key on the show, message him yeah. and annoy him at gigs and online. Um, but no, he was, uh, we were chatting about the menu in the, up the Creek and it said uh, house fries or Greek house fries. And the Greek house fries has, it said feta cheese crumbled on top. Yeah. And I was like, you don't, well, that, I, was, I, I said, you can only have it crumbled. There's no other way to have fetter, really, is it? It is, but right, even right. if you try and slice it, you're just you're on route to Crumble Town, <laughs> like that. And um, it was taking the piss out of me for doing. I went, I'm not doing material. I was just chatting about the menu, okay. and I went, oh, look, and that would work anyway. And he did it in the gig. Did I was, was going to do it. I went, well, I'll show you. I'll, I can make that work. And then he did it in, before he brought me on the bastard because I only had about nine minutes anyway. <laughs> that was fun. Game. Um, Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying being back gigging. Do yeah, you I'm find, a gig aficionado, actually. You are a gig aficionado. <laughs> do you find, because I'm back gigging, not that I'm getting ready for anything, but yeah. um, do you find... <laughs> well, if you were going to get ready for a tour, when would a tour be probably in sort of uh, the ballpark? Autumn 2025. Right, okay. So With yeah, the yeah. warm-ups in spring 2025. Oh, you are getting ready early, though, aren't you? Um, well, I'm not really gigging that much. I'm gigging once or twice a week. That's a lot, I'd say. You're really... I don't like the pressure if it's not ready. It will never be ready in your head. You, you, whatever yeah, you right, do right. now. All right, mate. Never You've seen my show. I've seen your show. It will never be ready. <laughs> no one's ever started their talk going, do you know what? I've probably done too many bloody gigs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All I need is one more week before Edinburgh. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's good though. That's very efficient. I'm just, I'm just. No, well, no, it's more. I'm it's trying to, to enjoy pottering. Do you know what I mean? On it, yes, without the big pressure of doing it. But yeah. I, I love, I, I love doing it. But we, I spoke about this on Tuesday. Yeah. Do you find though, from a parenting perspective, yeah, um, it's weird going out in the evening again so much. And I, I wonder whether your kids are a bit older, but... Well, that's what I'm struggling with is then the early mornings when I've got back at 11. Oh, well, you're struggling with the early mornings. I struggle with the... the Being miss- awake for the gig. <laughs> no, the missing the bath time guilts. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> I'm the- the- Mate, I'll tell you what, I'd rather bath two kids and stand up there with nothing in front of 100 people. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a kid, not even mine. I'll bath it. It's hard. Right, don't, I don't, don't, I don't, do, don't start saying that, mate. No, don't do Give me a kid that's not mine. I'll bath it. That is the end of your career. I do. I do love gigging and I love my job. So I'm not yeah. trying to claim I don't like going out and gigging. However, yeah. I don't. It's not easy, especially when you're no. writing a toy. It's really hard. So I don't have the guilt because I'm like, no, this is quite difficult. And if, yeah. if Lou wants to go out and do a tour, I'll, I'll be a stay-at-home dad. Not, not a problem. Um, I probably would still do a tour anyway. But, yeah, I don't feel the guilt. <laughs> not, I don't know. I reckon if Lou and Rose, and this can't happen, if they announced a tour, I think they'd probably sell quite well to the parenting hell. Um, I reckon they could do art centres. Yeah, I think they could do art centres. Strange gig, though, isn't it? Because, <laughs> like, you know, we yeah. see each other... <laughs> Like Lou and Rose know each other, and like, you know we we'll might occasionally text yeah. or see each other a couple of times a year. Yeah. But we do, we talk to each other every week. Like, yeah. what is happening on that show? We're just like, <laughs> I'd love to know how that would work as a show. 
I the double act yeah. that don't work together apart from live. Just <laughs> <laughs> swag um, me and you off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There'd be a few people there, didn't know they were, just gone for local comedy the night. Divorce tour. Yeah, well, let's not get into that. Half and half again, they'll call it. Do you know the problem's going to be, Rob? Got. If my relationship does crash and burn, all this jokes about it going wrong is going to... I'm a bit the boy who cried wolf. Well... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what what was difficult is you know, li- listening back. People would be like, "Blimey, look! God, I could see the the, the warning signs early on." Rob's very astute, isn't he? I he hope it's early on. on. I hope they're not like. I'd, if they say I could see the warning signs six or seven years before, do you know what? We've had a good innings. We've had a good innings. I think though that you'd you're the kind of guy I think that you would you'd let it grumble on. <laughs> without confronting it and just sort of booking a few more gigs or whatever and just goes you know what I'll be I, I can't confront this Let's, I think you're the drag it out till uni couple if you were I don't think you will I think you're happily married and you love each other and I don't think you will break up but I think you might be the drag it on till uni couple oh, yeah. oh Rob I, I had a nightmare with one of my friends okay. I told you this <laughs> she said I, I was talking to her and she was talking about her parents like, I know her well. Yeah. But it was quite, it was probably a couple of years into knowing her. I was like, oh, so when did your parents split up? Was it when you were a kid? She said, no, um, they split up. Um, it's quite weird, actually. Like, a couple of, couple of months after I um, went to uni. And I went, oh, right, were they, oh, so they were those parents that kind of stayed together for the kids and then split up because you left home. And she went, what? <laughs> Oh God! Oh God! I suppose yeah. Maybe that is what oh, happened. <laughs> Just going back through every family holiday for fifteen years. Oh yeah, because yeah, because Dad went. He went scuba dive, didn't he? For five days on that holiday. Oh no! God. Oh God! That is. I had, I, had a, I had a nightmare at soft play last week, right? So I was yeah. in soft play, and I love a bit of soft play because they're old enough to go in themselves now. So I, you book them in for an hour and a half. I yeah. go early and I get a coffee, sit in the corner, headphones in, and like on TikTok or whatever, or watching YouTube, but just in my coffee in the corner. Get a couple of bottles of water. The kids will come down. They go, I'm too hot. I'm too hot. Breathe in my face. Down a bottle of water and run back in. Okay, so it's actually yeah. quite a good way to tire them out. No, it's like I walk in and it's quite it's quite stressful when you first get in because you want to try and get a table in the corner. You don't have to share yeah. a table. And especially TV tax, do a bit of telly. You want to hide away in the corner because you don't really yeah, yeah. want to be sat with someone and chatting for an hour like small talk because that that's quite yeah. hard work. Um, and not even just like, you know, even if it was someone I used to work with or whatever or like, you know, you say, oh, I just want an hour to myself. I walk in, right? As I'm walking in, a geezer just slaps me on the shoulder and goes, Rob, you are right, mate? But as if it's like you. Yeah, yeah. And you've yeah, gone, yeah. fucking hell, what are the chances we're yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'd go, oh, what? <laughs> right? Anyway, so I go, oh, mate. And I give him a funny look because I sort of, I, I recognise him, but not, not like it's you. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I'm like, oh, right, mate, like that. And a bit of sound off. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, all right. And I sort of, and he's hit me quite hard as well. I was like, bloody hell, mate. Like, anyway, so I go in and, I, and, and the kid's like, immediately, it's almost like when you get stuff played, their, their bodies explode and all the clothes and shoes fly off them. And you're picking yeah. up jumpers and, and coats and trains. So I'm picking all that up. Like, and he pops up. They go, hello there, mate. You all right? I'm like, oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, he's the same key. He's like, yeah, you all right, mate? He goes, so I just wanted to say, I didn't want to start with you. Like, I'm just some random. And I'm stood there going, oh, I've got nothing here. 
I've got no idea who he is, but uh, I can't uh, go. Uh, Sorry, uh, mate. Uh, who is who it? Who are you? Yeah. It'd be the equivalent because the way he was chatting to me was like it would be me saying to you, "Sorry, who are you?" Yeah. And you'd go, "I'm Josh." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We do the. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the energy yeah, I'm getting. Yeah. Anyway, so like I go, "All right, mate. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. No worries. Yeah. Nice to see you." And I'm playing along. Anyway, and I go and sit back down, and then I'm on my phone like that, and I go, "I can't get a coffee. Can I have the coffee?" Boom. He's there again. Well, mate, you're right. How's it going? You went, blah, blah, blah. I went, oh, how's it going? He went, oh, just, um, and he was just like, oh, just, um, I've got getting broken up with the missus. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> got to get the kids back by half one. I'm like, oh, fuck it. And now, and like, I can't, and it's quite, that's obviously a terrible thing for someone to be going yeah, through. Yeah, and now he thinks, and he like, we're best buds. Yeah, of course. And I'm just got my brain just going, just, who the fuck, think, who is it? And I was like, oh, were you getting, were you together long? And he went, well, yeah. Was it like 15 years? You know, we were we met at Cooper's, you know, and I went to Cooper's. So now I'm like, I know the wife, don't I? Well, at least you've, at least you've narrowed it down. Yeah, but then that was a red herring, right? Anyway, and then he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, because, you know, it's, and I won't say the person's name, he was like, and I, you know, it's Tony Jameson's sister. And Tony Jameson's is a name I half remember. It, that yeah, isn't yeah, the name yeah, I've yeah, yeah, yeah. I half remember. God, I sort of know that he was definitely in my year. <laughs> went, yeah, because you know, he's Tony Jameson's sister. I'm like, do I? And I'm sitting there going, oh, fucking no. hell. And I've not heard Tony Jameson's name for 20 years. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fucking hell. Like that. And then he goes, yeah. I went, oh, what are you doing for work? He went, well, I've, you know, um, well, I used to work for myself. Now I'm at um, and I, um, Steve Jones's firm. But he said Steve Jones's firm. Like, I know Steve Jones. And I'm like, I don't know how that is either. I don't even know that name. But he said it like, I know that bloke. And I'm genuinely stood there thinking, like, have I got dementia? <laughs> the guy is chatting to me like, like this is me. It's like you talking to me about like Tom Crane or Rose, and I'm like oh, fucking man. hell. And, and then anyway, so and then I go and, and I go, oh, so yeah, sorry to that mate. Chat, chat, chat. And then I go back and sit down. And I'm texting my brother because I went to school with him. I'm like, and I can't, and I'm racking my brains. I can't work. And then eventually, I worked and I gave a few names to my brother. It was like, and it took me thirty minutes. But then I worked out. He was a, a family friend that was four years older that went to the same school that I used oh. to hang out with on the street. And I knew straight oh. away who it was. And as soon as I clocked it, I was like, oh, it's him. And I won't say Did you name. go back up to him? No, because it was like, I can't go, as far as he's concerned, it would be insane. It's me coming up. It's me at the end of this conversation going, you're Josh Whittaker, aren't you? <laughs> That's how awkward it would have been. <laughs> so I'm sorry if I, Bromley soft plan Saturday, I know it was you. It just took me a little time to work it out. Because I was thinking about kids in my year at school, not brothers of the kids. Well, I couldn't, because if, if I'd clocked it early on, it would have been fine because I know him really well. Yeah. And I know his mum. I know we've got loads of mutual friends. I'm like, Ajahn, blah, blah, blah. But mum used to go on holiday with his mum. We had all this chat. And, and was he right to be confused that you didn't know he'd been with his wife for 15 years? Yeah, I think that was because I didn't. The, the bloke that Tony Jameson is the name I've invented. I sort of knew him at school, but we weren't mates. And I, he was a few years older, so I didn't really know who he'd... Yes, yeah, so that was a tough one. That was a tough one, because I automatically think my year at school, and because yeah. he sort of mentioned school and all that, it was like, ah. Oh. So I felt bad, but um, yeah, so if you're listening, mate, sorry, it just I was too early and it took me too long, but just, you know, yeah, it was tough. Anyway, if you want to go and see Rob on tour... <laughs> Tickets available. Please come. Uh, Tom Aspinall. Here's Tom Aspinall, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, the UFC heavyweight interim champion, and more importantly, father, Tom Aspinall. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
No, no, we've been trying to do it for ages, but then you yeah. went to New York and won a title and then been busy and scheduled, but we, we finally got you, so we're very happy to have you here. It's, it's going to be a bit of a different one to your normal sporting interviews, Tom, chatting about the family. Good, good, good. good. I'm sick of the same questions, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. that's Cool. That's, First yeah. question, um, when are you going to fight John Jones? No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh. um, how, how many kids you got, Tom? i got three kids. Three kids. And what yeah. ages? Uh, my oldest one is seven. And I got four-year-old twins. Oh, oh my god. god! Let me tell you, that's a different experience. Let me tell you. Um, yeah. So some people, when I say I've got twins, they're like, "Oh, I'd love twins." And I'm like, I don't know if you would. You know, they're, fucking, they're <laughs> hard work. Like they're pretty hard work. Well, so like, is it? Because that's the thing. I think people go, "Oh, if I just had twins, I get it all done." And they've got us siblings. I've got two, and it's all. But to what is it just? It's just two of them, isn't it? <laughs> it's literally just double the the asshole. Yeah, I mean, it's getting it's definitely getting easier now they're at school and stuff. Yeah. Um, but hey, honestly, I say it all the time. I think like the first year of their lives, I was like, it, I can hardly even remember it. You know, honestly, like I feel like I was just in fight or flight mode constantly. It was yeah. it was just a blur of crying, being up all night. Just all the stressful stuff that goes with a baby times two. How do you get them to sleep at the same time? With great difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> when you had your first your first kids, so, so what stage of your career was you at then? Because what's weird with fighters is you're either at home all the time, 24 hours a day, or you're not there at all for like three or four months. So what what, what stage was it with the twins and your eldest? So it was a, it's a little bit difficult because when I had my first... Sorry, even when I had my, my twins, my three kids, I was still like working like a regular job. Right. Um, wow. The jobs that I worked, they were always like to fund kind of the dream of being a, a full time MMA fighter and making money from that. So um, I, I wouldn't say I got a lot of hate because I didn't, but a, a few people were like, right, you're going to have to stop this MMA stuff now and get an actual job. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Got, got three children, and, uh, you know, you need to start kind of looking after your family a little bit rather than just living on this dream that you're going to make money out of uh, MMA. And uh, they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but that feels good now, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels pretty good now. Yeah, it feels pretty good. I kind of had to make it work at that point. I yeah. think yeah. If, I, if I didn't have the kids, I think I probably would have lent more into like getting a normal job and trying to make money and buy a house and do all the rest of it. Like, I think that the fact that I had the three kids and I had absolutely no money, I was like, right, I need to make this work now because yeah. um, I weren't really interested in doing anything else, to be honest. Like I knew that I could, I knew that I was pretty good and I knew that I could make money out of it if I, if I stuck at it. So it was just kind of a matter of time type thing. And what, what, were, what were your jobs at that time? Oh, mate, they were just all stuff to fund um, my fighting, really. Like, I used to work on the doors. I was, like, the worst doorman ever. I never did anything. I did a bit of, like, personal training, did a bit of cleaning jobs and stuff like that. Like, anything just to fund, just to put fuel in my car to get to the gym and back, basically, and pay my rent. Yeah, because you've got, you got a really close relationship with your dad because I think a friend of a friend gave him my number to get you on some like podcasts and raise your profile and things like that this was before you won the title as well but he was so like my son he was like it was like it was almost like talking to some sort of cult leader you know when someone's trying to sell you like something like and get you involved in a I was like yeah yeah I know Tom he's brilliant in the, in the, but, but he's so his passion and his belief in you is unbelievable and does that rub off on you then is that where you think you get your self-confidence from Oh, absolutely. Like, I always say that he, like, kind of believed in me before I believed in myself kind of thing. So, 
Yeah, I think it was. You know, I think a lot of people, especially in in the UK, I think in America it's a little bit different, but I think in the UK a lot of people are like, uh, you know, if you start talking early about, right, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to go and be a world champion, for example, people are just a bit like, ah, well, maybe you should be a bit more realistic about it and maybe you should set your sights a little bit lower and you should get a normal job first and then see how it goes. Like, my dad was never like that. He was like, listen, if you want to be a world champion, let's go and do it. Like, let's start making plans on that. And I'm extremely lucky that uh, I've got him in my life. Extreme. Like, if it weren't for my dad, I would not I would be nowhere close to where I am right now. And how do your kids fit into your training and life now? How does it work in terms of, like, if you're at home, are you doing lots of parenting and then you're away for periods? It's like... Yeah, um, as, a, as a professional, like, as a professional fighter, we're not that busy, really. Like, I'm training kind of four hours a day, five hours a day. Uh, it's it's not that much. And then when you're in camp, though, do you take yourself away completely? Are you not there at all or are you still at oh. home? No, no, I'm, I'm still there. I'm still, I'm still home. Oh, really? Um, obviously, I, I do go away to do like bits of sparring and stuff, but predominantly I train in England. So I do bits where I go to Holland to spar. I've been to a few other places to spar, but um, mainly I'm at home and and just be yeah. When I'm not at the gym, I'm, I'm dad. You know what I mean? I don't. I do the school <laughs> run most days. I still like, for example, my kids have started training in martial arts now, so I take them to the gym for their training now. And yeah, I just I just live it normally. I don't. There's no special treatment for me. If anything, I feel like I've got it easier than people who work for a normal job. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me more about your kids getting into martial arts. Like, what what's that like for you? Well, it's quite new for them actually. Um, it's it's never like I don't want my kids to be professional fighters really, unless unless they really really want to. Um, I think. Well, the they're really sport... really good. No one wants yeah, their, their kid to be a professional yeah, fighter no. when they're like mid level to the you know yeah. journeyman. <laughs> no, yeah, I'll just ban them. I'll ban yeah. them from, from everything if they're just average. No, they're uh, they, they've all it's pretty new. They've only really just started, but they all, they've only started because they want to. Do you know what I mean? I didn't put I didn't didn't push them into it. Um, I, I never have any plans of pushing them into it. If they don't want to go and train, I won't take them. Simple as yeah, that. Your dad is a trainer as well, so it's in the family. So like, if they go and see granddad, he's at the gym, he trains uh, people in jiu-jitsu and things like that, doesn't he? So it's like, yeah. it's going to yeah. happen naturally, you know, it, within exactly the family. What it's done. It's just rubbed off on them. A few months ago, my oldest kid was like, oh, can I go and start training? You know, he's got a few friends. Because I take him down the gym anyway when he's off school. Mm. He's like got a few friends of other guys in the gym whose kids are there as well. So, you know, he wants to go and, he wants to go and spend time with his friends at the gym and, and train as well. And then, then the younger ones get on board. They see their older brother doing it, so they want to go. And, yeah, it's just turned into this whole thing of um, this is what they like doing, apparently. And is it three boys you've got? Yeah, three boys, all boys. Three boys. And um, isn't one of them like an expert at your Rubik's Cube or something? Yeah, as well? yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's unreal. Yeah, he's unreal. Is, is that the kid you've spoken before about you have got one of your children's autistic? No, it's, it's not. I get asked that quite oh. a lot, actually. With uh, Everyone's like, oh, I see, I see you uh, put the video on. Is that the autistic one? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think he is. Anyway, he's, just, he's just amazing at Rubik's Cube. Um, <laughs> And I don't, I don't know where that's from either. You know, he just, um, he just started watching like YouTube videos as kids do, yeah. and then got him a Rubik's cube because he asked for one, and then he figured out how to do it. And the next minute, he's like absolutely rapid on it. Next minute, <laughs> he's like going into competition. He goes into like open age competitions, and he's seven. Whoa, really? He's, like, unreal wow. on it. He's absolutely unreal <laughs> on it. So uh, what? What's he? What timings? What? How long does it take to do a Rubik's cube if you're as good as he is? You can do it in under twenty seconds. 
No. Whoa. What, like properly mixed up, not just like yeah, one yeah, row of yeah, red around the corner? Yeah, I mixed it up for 10 minutes. I'm like, ah. <laughs> It'll just pick it up and just solve it. They're quick. It's madness. Oh, wow. And is there money in that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't actually know that is something i should be looking into really i don't know i'm not sure I'm not, i think um the youtube channels and stuff that they have i think they're quite big so obviously there is money to evade off youtube yeah. but i think it, i don't think there's like a professional gaming thing i'm not sure maybe there, maybe there is i don't know and how many how many hours a day is he doing on the rubik's cube then quite quite a bit yeah quite yeah. i'd say like two or three hours at least wow wow Unbelievable! That's Getting in the an comps. incredible skill, isn't it? And can you do one? I couldn't do one if I had all day. Absolutely no chance. If, so, if someone, I mean, he's tried to show me plenty of times. If someone like, if someone <laughs> said, "Right, you've got a day to do that," I'll give you a million quid. Go for it. I, w- I wouldn't do it. There's no chance. Yeah. I don't do it. No idea. And uh, you say, is it one of your other sons has got autism as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One. One of my twins. Does, yeah. And how does sort of that manifest? And do you have to sort of change the way you're, you know, the stuff you do as a family or schooling and stuff like that? Is it is it challenging in that regard, or is it just he fits in with everyone pretty well? Uh, he's, he's actually doing really good. Like he started at a mainstream school and stuff. Obviously, he's only just started, so because we're only in like February now, so he's he's only been in like what is it five six months probably. Um, and he's doing good. Like some things are tricky. Like he gets overwhelmed in in crowds and stuff like that. And he, some things definitely. You have to oh, just take him to one of Josh's gigs, then you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of space, you can stretch. It's too easy. It's a tricky thing to navigate through. It's massive, like it's such a massive spectrum, and there's so many different kind of. It presents itself in so many different ways. Yeah, just learning, still learning about it. Obviously, he's only four years old. He's got he's got a whole life ahead of him. So yeah, I'm sure it's something that. Uh, and it's something that I'm trying to learn more about every day. Yeah, of course. And, and what made you kind of think that he might have autism and, like, go and get him tested, I suppose, is it? I don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they were, like, born just before the pandemic. So as kind of they start to hit, like, milestones and stuff, like, oh, they should be, like, walking at this age, they should be doing this at this age, start speaking, blah, blah. We just started noticing, like, when he was around two-ish, I guess, um, that he wasn't really saying much. He wasn't really interacting much. Um, and then we thought, oh, maybe it's just because of lockdowns and stuff, like, his whole life he's been, like, stuck inside, and then we're Googling it, as you do, and then it's like, oh, twins progress a lot slower than because of the shared attention and all that kind of stuff. And I, to be honest with you, I was kind of in denial with it for quite quite some time. I was like making excuses for him. Oh, the lockdowns are happening. He's never he's never really been out of the house and been around people. So, he, you know, he's obviously going to be slower, blah, blah, blah. And um, funny enough, we watched a Paddy McGuinness documentary. Oh, I watched oh, that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Paddy McGuinness has three autistic children. And he was talking a lot about autism and the way it kind of presents itself, manifests itself and stuff like that. And um, there was a lot of things that we we kind of picked up on and was like, oh, well, our kid does that. Our kid mm. does this. Our kid does this and this. And anyway, funny enough, I was on a show with Paddy McGuinness, like a few, literally a few weeks after, like just coincidence, I was on a, I was on a show with him. And I was chatting to him about it and he was like, mate, you need to try and get, a diagnosis as quick as possible because every autistic person is different. And once they can kind of see what needs your kid has got, they can kind of 
personalize it for the needs. Yes. Yeah. He's got. yeah. Uh, so I was like, right, okay, what do I do with that then? Because we, we'd already tried to get him diagnosed on the NHS, and luckily, um, I'm in a financial spot where I could pay for private. And, and yeah, how do you give me the details? Took him to this private place, uh, and she basically said straight away, "Yep, he's got autism." Diagnosed him and started giving us stuff to do to kind of help him with his uh, with his life, really moving forward. Oh, brilliant! And when she diagnosed him, was that a relief, or were you like? scared of what would happen or how did that feel um obviously as a dad you don't want there to be anything kind of wrong with your child like you, you that's a, for me that's like the scariest thing in the world is being yeah. like, right? there's something wrong with your kid but by that point we've been through so much kind of searching for what's going on and guessing that it, it was a little bit of a relief to be like right this is because it was kind of like that was kind of the start of the solution, if you like. I mean, an autistic person thinks differently. They're diverse to the way we think. They're completely different. But just to help him, do you know what I mean? It's just some yeah, kind of, of course. just yeah. something to work towards rather than just being stuck and just guessing what's wrong and trying to provide my own solution and our own solution because ultimately we don't don't really know anything about the subject. We're just guessing. Mm, yeah, so it, it was try nice this, try that. Yeah, it was nice to kind of. You know, have a little bit of direction and something to work, work towards rather than just guessing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so you had three kids under the age of three at the start of lockdown. <laughs> yes, mate. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was not hard. No wonder you go and fight people and don't care. <laughs> That's harder that, than anything. That wasn't great. That was definitely there awesome. must, <laughs> how was that? Have you sort of blocked that out of your mind? Or is there things that come back to you of things you ended up? Sometimes I do I do stuff. I go, oh God, we did that in lockdown, wasn't it? Well, that was bleak. You know what I mean? But it's, it was awful. That's been impossible. You know, like, thinking back now, it was yeah. like a really bad time, wasn't it? <laughs> it was just, yeah, I'm glad that's behind us anyway. Well, especially for you as well, you'll have like the pressure of like, you never know when fighting's coming back. UFC actually came back pretty quick, but not loads of events like normal and stuff like that. And that's your, where you earn your money. So that's a lot, you're under a lot of pressure. Oh, you know, it's really tough because at the time I just got in the UFC, but I, I, I hadn't fought yet. Like I hadn't made my debut. Actually, the show that I was supposed to make my debut on was uh, UFC London, Leon Edwards versus Tyron Woodley. So, and that was the first event uh, at least in the MMA world, that got cancelled because of COVID. It was yeah. like the week before, the week. So I did a full training camp, and then the week before it got cancelled, I was like, "Oh my god, when are we going to fight? What's what's going yeah. on? Can't train, can't go to the gym." And that would have been a big payday for you as well, like compared to what it you've been paid been previously. It, it was the biggest money that I've ever got paid in my life at the time. Like, that and then was, that's just gone in an instant, and you've got three kids at home. You, you couldn't, exactly. you couldn't furlough it. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was trying to furlough it, but I can't, I can't really remember what happened at the time. Bring up Dana White for some furlough. It definitely wasn't the best. It was a crazy, uh, crazy couple of years that was. Uh, but it's, it's all since the pandemic, though. Your career's gone like stratospheric, and I think for the people that aren't fully into UFC, and jo- I don't know if Josh will know this, but the, the, the main event of that fight in New York that I went to see because I thought I was going to be watching Miocic and John Jones got cancelled, and then Tom got drafted in with two weeks' notice, which is unheard of and almost impossible in fight sports to come in and do a job, and then he beat the guy very convincingly, very quickly with a big KO and became the champion. So like that turnaround of couldn't make your debut, losing all that money, three kids under three. And in the space of three years, you've 
you're at the top. Now, how does that not mess with your mind? Because you, like you say, you weren't yeah. earning that much money. Your money was tight. People are telling you to give it up. How do you not become sort of this big, arrogant, I am giving it the large one? Because that's what uh, happened to Rob. Yeah, that's what happened to me. And I'm trying to, trying to bring myself back from it. <laughs> when he got the Radio 2 gig, he hasn't oh, gone yeah, back yeah. down. <laughs> uh, to be honest, um, I don't know. I feel like money and, and all that stuff, like fame and stuff, like that, that kind of shows your true colours, I think. If you're an idiot, you're definitely going to be more of an idiot when you've got fame yeah. and money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the same kind of the other way, like, I don't know. I, I, I just live the same. Honestly, I basically live the same as I do. Um, I mean, my life's a lot lot better now because I'm financially secure than it, than it was before. Um, got a lot more time. But you're still doing this in your box room, in your house, with yeah, a load of boxes around you. Mate, exactly, exactly. On patchy still, Wi-Fi. There's no... Uh, I'm not living some like mad lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? I just live exactly yeah. the same. Mate, the sport, my sport in particular, brings you back down to earth pretty quick. Just for example, I'm speaking to you here now. An hour or so ago, I was getting squashed by a massive Russian guy. <laughs> so was Josh, but he pays for that in solo. <laughs> yeah, I've changed. I have changed. Actually, money's helped me in that sense. <laughs> Yeah, so my sport is uh, it will humble you. Do you know what I mean? If if you're not if if you're gonna start running around and acting like like if I'm living this like lavish lifestyle, I'm cruising about on yachts and and drinking all the time. Like I'm gonna turn up to the gym on Monday and get absolutely pummeled off somebody. Yeah, who's not exactly. doing that? So um, I don't want that to happen. Do your kids watch your fights? Do they watch it? Because it's quite it's like even a bit more violent and brutal than boxing in in some regards with some of the you know some of the the cuts and the the ground and pound and stuff like that do the kids watch you uh yeah they do they do but they, they're not bothered like i think they just they're just uh they're used to it i guess i, I guess yeah. they're just, like for them as long as they can remember like dad's fighting on the tv and that that's the way that's the way it is you know what i mean it's nothing i think now my oldest one especially because his mates at school they think i'm like they, they they think I'm good, like pretty cool. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you are the hardest man. Well, in the in the world, arguably, there's a couple you could argue against, but it's not like in boxing, like you MMA, like you know, people talk about Andy Joshua and Fury. But if you had a street fight with them, you're wiping the floor with them. So when it comes to the who's got the hardest dad in the school, you're, <laughs> you've absolutely. It's not even close. He's at, he's at that age now where like, and um, you know what else is like the older kids in the school. Obviously, when you're like younger in school, you kind of look up to the older kids and you think they're cool. And then the older kids, they think like I'm cool. Yeah. So he's like, I think he he loves it now. Like he's loving it. <laughs> yeah. And and do you get any fans at the pickup? Like when you go to pickup, are kids trying to talk to you or like? Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. They do. I don't mind it. Like it's, it's pretty cool. I like it. I like it. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought I could? Th- I need to stand up for my kid here with another parent. He, he's been he's been slagging off my son's Rubik's cube, and I need to. I need. To... <laughs> no, I've I've been all right so far with that. To be honest, I've been all right in that regard. Um, all pretty peaceful so far, but it's going to come one day. If I was te- if if I was teaching your kid, I'd be giving him very high marks. There's no way I'd be uh, taking you on at parents' evening. Well, you're very sort of relaxed and friendly guy. You know, some fighters just, in, you know, the, the, their whole persona is this, uh, 
aggressive like sort of monster and so when when i always wanted to sort of ask this like when you're in the octagon and it's like getting like you're really up against it and you know this guy you're fighting just won't go down i mean you've nearly near enough knocked everyone out you fought so far so you've actually got to this point yet but when you're really under the cosh are you sort of just very focused and a professional going i need to do this i need to do that he keeps going with that jab so i've got to move that do at any point you engage this like next level of I've got to do this for my kids because I find even if if someone's mean to my kids I get to an extra level of anger and frustration that you just want to rip someone's head off if they're mean about my kids and stuff like that do you ever go into that place in order to give you that extra or is it such a high level of combat that that sort of anger doesn't help you need because control. it's erratic yeah do you know when I fight is uh I like to be like ice cold emotionally that's the only way I can describe yeah. it is like I'm detached emotionally from everything else apart from what I'm doing right there. So um, I, I think emotion's a bad thing, to be honest. Yeah. Like I think it just works against you because there's definitely been times in fights when I've been emotional and I've thought of stuff like that. And it's just not it's not it's not a place for emotion in the octagon, to be honest with you. Like it's just going to work against you. It, and if you if you like force a technique and do it with emotion behind it, you're probably overdoing it, and you're going to be pretty knackered if it doesn't work. Like you're going to be yes. pretty exhausted after. And that that's that's my experience from it at least. Maybe some people might say otherwise, but from my experience, like if you're forcing something and doing doing it with emotion, if it doesn't come off, on the other side of that is you being pretty emotionally drained and also physically exhausted. So I, I just try and be as calm as I can in there, to be honest. And when's the last time on a fight day, when's the last time you'll be in contact with your kids? Because, like, I'll be doing a live TV show and my wife will FaceTime me five minutes before to say that my son won't go to sleep. And I think, this is what not what I need. <laughs> Presumably you're not... In the dressing room, <laughs> getting a FaceTime about. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't take Tom's I can't under a bit find more a pressure. Dummy. Do you know where the dummies are? <laughs> you're, you're, you've got to get your head in the game to sit and laugh at Adam and Alex's know, jokes exactly. they prepared all week. Yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it, it depends. Depends where I'm fighting, first of all, because often I'm on a time difference. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. like, last fight was in New York, so we're like six, seven hours different on time. But um, usually, like the morning of, like the the morning will will be enough. Like I'm extra extra sensitive on fight day, extra sensitive. And if someone like say rings me up and start asking where the dummy is or where's the remote or so you know if someone starts telling me they love me too much or whatever, I'll start crying, mate. I don't I, I don't oh, need really? that. I, I like I like to be emotionally detached from everything. So it's just like right, good luck. Yep, thank you. Okay, I'll speak to you after it. Bye. That, that's the way. So how do, how do you become emotionally detached? You just sort of just just block out that that world exists. That Tom Aspinall, the family man, the husband, at this point doesn't exist, and you, it is just Tom the fighter. Is that how yep. is that how you do? It? Like, so it's not that you can keep a lid on it. You just sort of have to completely block it out almost. It's just yeah, that that side of me is just gone when I'm fighting. Simple yeah. as that. Like I'm there to do a job. My job is to win the fight, and I can't take into consideration anything else. Like I, yeah. all I think about is like there's so many like variables when you're fighting that when you're inc incredibly scared and nervous, like you do get before a fight, these small things can like manifest themselves and become massive. For example, Donald Trump was in attendance for my last fight. Yes, yeah, I was there. It was mental when he came out. That noise. And I, I missed him coming out purposely. Because yeah, we have the TVs, you see, in, in the changing rooms. Yeah. 
uh, and that the TV's showing what's actually going on at the event. And there was this bit, I knew there was this big song and dance going on that Donald Trump's arriving. And I purposely turned it off. Like that has to be left yes. to the side. And, and oh my God, there's 25,000 people here to see what happens. And there's millions watching around the world. Like that's got to be left somewhere else mentally. Yeah. So is that why you ignore my messages, Tom? Because you're focusing. <laughs> yeah, cool. Just double checking. Exactly. So because you don't want to be overwhelmed by starry, star I, I state. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. Cool. Just, exactly. I just remember that. What, just did you hear the cheers when Rob entered the arena? Did you hear <laughs> that? I, I thought I'd seen a couple of tumbleweeds go past. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I suppose you don't want to be distracted. Like, because it was when I, I was in there watching the fight, and Donald Trump come out with Kid Rock to American Badass, and it was just so overwhelmingly mad and crazy. I was like, what is going on here? And the crowd go mad, but you can't, if you've got to be lasered in, you can't have any distractions like that. You know, you've got to just be focused on what you're doing. And I suppose that's like, you know, that's the thing in life as well, isn't it? If you've got to get something done, you've got to get your job done, you have to detach yourself from it so you can focus, or otherwise, you're too, there's too much going on in your head. Yeah, exactly. And for me, like the phone goes off, nothing else. Like I'm not speaking to anybody who's not like in my kind of immediate team. Like none, no, nothing else really matters apart from me and my opponent. That's all I'm thinking of. Like I, I, you, you do have to detach yourself from all that stuff because, as I say, when you're super emotional like that, you're super scared, you're super nervous. Like that stuff just starts to. For me personally, I'm always. I, I can't. I'm not speaking to for everyone. I'm speaking for me myself. But uh, like that stuff just becomes massive in your mind like if i if i see who's watching my fight and obviously there's celebrities there there's other fighters there they like stick them in the front row and putting the camera on them like i don't want to know that my favorite fighter is sat front row watching my fight like that's gonna that's gonna put a lot of pressure on you like i don't want to see it i want to forget yeah. about that I'm, I'm forgetting about it i'm forgetting about the fact that bloody such a body's travelled from Australia and they're here front row watching me, one of my best mates or whatever, whatever, like all that yeah. stuff can't exist when I'm fighting. It's just me and my opponent and nothing else. And afterwards, how quickly are you back in the real world, so to speak? Like when's the phone going back on? Oh, straight after. Well, you, you ended up in Times Square in the, like, uh, with your dad to have a photo with the belt you'd won and it was dead. It was empty. It was five in the morning or something like that. You'd been out celebrating because the fight started late as well because it was on West Coast time. So what's it like? I know you try and detach emotionally, but your, your dad you know, and your family are in your corner and he's your trainer and he's with you every step of the way. So how, is, that, is that ever sort of soured your son and father relationship, the sort of trainer and fighter? Or has it oh, always yeah, worked we well? We've had plenty of arguments over the years about it all. Loads, loads, really? loads. But I think now we're in a really good spot with everything. Like, I think that, I mean, most of it was like training situations and stuff, all to do with training that I'm not training right and that I need to train with this guy and that guy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, he just wants the best for me that, that he can. And I've not always been as ruthless as I should have been when it comes to training situations and stuff like that like this should have been i should have always put myself first really and sometimes i didn't always do that mm. and now i do so it's great like every, i listen yeah. to my dad every step now like I'm, I'm really lucky like i'm 30 years old now and i'm pretty aware that this isn't going to last forever so i try and enjoy like yeah i mean i'm not all for heavyweight i've still i reckon i've still got another like at least six or seven years left in me easy but yeah. that's only six or seven years of hopefully what's going to be a long and happy life. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, of course. Uh, when it's done, it's done, and there's no going back. So 
um, yeah, I try and cherish it every moment that like me and my dad have together in that in that regard. Well, what about Sunday lunch? Then is, do you have a, like an out of office where you're sitting down with all the family having a bit of Sunday lunch? And he goes, "Well, right, I've been thinking about your boxing. You've got to be doing." And you're like, "No, Dad, is there or is it constantly chatting Christmas about Christmas Day, some hand wraps? Come on, mate, get me a proper present." The thing is, mate, like martial arts is like embedded deeply in my family. Right, like, ev- everyone's into it, mate. From like brother, cousins, kids, everybody, everybody. So it's always like a hot topic. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. Not, I suppose then yeah. if there's been a fight on that night, you're, all, you're naturally going to be talking yeah, yeah. about the we're other always, fighters. Always, there's, no, there's no off off moments of, of fighting. Do you know what I mean? Like even uh, even like recently, I was at my granddad's funeral talking about fighting. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's constantly. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, just imbe- embedded in the family. And do you think you could train your son and be in the corner as he fights? No, that, what's the no, 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 no. I'd be an absolute nervous wreck. No way. Absolutely no chance. So how do you think your dad can do it then? I don't know. I'm not sure. I ask him all the time. I ask him all the time. I'm like, how can you do this? And he's like, I don't know. I've just got, uh, I just can't. I don't, he doesn't really give an answer. He's just like, yeah, it's just easy. But I, no way I can do it. I can hardly even watch him train sometimes. Sometimes, like, obviously that. They're not like punching one another in the face at like seven years old. Yeah. They're, doing like, they're, they're doing like a bit of grappling where there's obviously the rule set's limited. Like you can't be bloody choking each other when you're like seven years old. Like, but even some of the positions that they get each other in, sometimes like one of them will be on like stacked up on his neck, and then I'm like, oh, I can't watch. I can't. I can't even watch him like roll around with each other. So there's no chance I could actually watch him properly uh, fight. How about your, their mum? Does their mum watch? How does she feel about them training martial arts? Well, she trains martial arts, so... Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, she, she actually... There's no escape. She took them last night, actually, for the first time. It's usually me who takes them. But uh, I, I had a bit on yesterday. Like, I was pretty tired. I said, oh, do you mind taking the kids? And she's like, yeah, yeah I'll take them. She loved it. She loved, she loved watching them. First time she's been. She's really? Been it, yeah. And have you been to any of the Rubik's Cube? competitions yes I have. and is that nerve-wracking uh not particularly <laughs> 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 I, mean, I, want kid, I want my kid to do good obviously like yeah I want, yeah, I want, yeah i don't want him to lose because he'll be upset if he loses yeah yeah um, but I, I mean he's not really going to get hurt talk us through a rubik's cube competition so uh, you're driving to what like a leisure center in the middle of nowhere and it's just loads of tables I don't, think, I don't think it needs sports facilities does it Rob? Well, no, I, don't, I just don't know how it's it, usually in a, he's only done a couple to be fair do you usually it can't hotel. be a long day if it takes 20 seconds to do it can it oh, maybe it takes forever you know they do like different categories don't they so that they'll have like they'll have like a three by three rubik's cube which is just a standard and then they have like what's called a pyramid which is like a triangle one and they have, they have all different types of them. So they, they, they compete in all different categories, right? And there's loads of them. There's like 100 people competing in, in each there's category. There's a Netflix so. documentary. There's a really good... Net- have you seen this documentary about... Yeah, um, Speed, Speed Cube, as I think it's called, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. And, like, there's this guy that's, like, the world champion and then he loses to his protege and it's... I've, I've ruined it. But, like, um, <laughs> it's so good. They're, they're just, like, obviously... It's like any obsession, isn't it? They just fucking love it. So what are the other, the other parents like there? Because I can't imagine your normal Rubik's Cuba is the son of the UFC heavyweight champion of the world and he's from a family of martial artists. <laughs> well, I, mean? I um, struggle sometimes, to be honest with you. Uh... I'm really looking forward to how you politically describe the other parents. <laughs> no, I, I struggle sometimes. 
sometimes with like yeah. uh, going to public places because I, ne- I I don't I don't know like it, like if I'm going to walk into a bar for example yeah most of the people in the bar are between the ages of like eighteen and thirty five for example yeah. Lad, yes. lads yeah and predominantly a lot of eighteen thirty five year olds watch the UFC yeah that's a bad that's a bad one for you a bar isn't it yeah yeah so I'm like oh shit I'm gonna like just be absolutely bombarded here with like questions yeah. pictures and all that like it's hard for me to relax so sometimes when i go into a public place i'm like kind of trying to gauge are these ufc fans or like how yeah. much how much do i need to have my guard up here before someone you know what i mean yeah, that's, yeah. that's the way i feel because i'm still really new to all this stuff and also what's weird is there's people that are obsessed with you and you are god and ufc's their thing and there'll be people like my you know my cousin that doesn't know anything about it wouldn't know who you are so it's like it's yeah. either not much or they're obsessed with you and you are the best you know it is very strange because i've had people um like i've had a couple of people cry when they meet me which is very odd it's very yeah. odd <laughs> yes um, wow. it's a very weird experience um, and then I've had, literally had someone else being like stood next to him, being like, "Who is that? I've no idea who it is." <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, like, oh, I'm not going to start explaining who I am. But anyway, <laughs> back, back to the Rubik's cube. Yeah. Um, when I enter a Rubik's cube room of hundreds of people, yeah, I'm absolutely safe. No one's got any idea who I am. No <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, you wear your belt, don't you? You wear, you walk in with your belt, going, "Come on, guys!" <laughs> belt and hot it. pants, just so they know eight, <laughs> eight ounce oh, gloves on. And, and so, um, is there a chance he'll go internationally and do stuff? I don't, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know how it works. To be honest, he's still pretty, uh, pretty new yeah. to it. He's only done a few competitions so far. He's got one coming up soon, actually. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. So you can relax at the Rubik's events then? You can chill chill. out a bit? I'm chilling at the Rubik's events, yeah. No, I mean, mean, I've absolutely got no issue with someone coming up and and having a picture and and having a chat at all. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying when it's loads at the same time, it does overwhelm me. Like, I'd be lying to say otherwise, because as you said, like, a few years ago, no one had any idea of us. Like, nobody had a clue. And now it's like, you know, like, say, if I go into a bar, the whole frigging bar comes over and wants to, like, grab grab me spitting my ear talking to me in a loud room oh god yeah all the old coked up idiots screaming at you talking about when they used to fight mate it's all, most 99.5 percent of it is really really positive and i really appreciate it but when it's multiple people at the same time it does get a bit overwhelming at times and um final question on the rubik's um <laughs> have you have you passed on stuff like about emotion and like are you like is there like overlaps of skill mental skills that you can pass on about competing that you have to your son no he, he, he's not even bothered me he's not even bothered about me he's just like <laughs> <laughs> i trying to give him any advice he's just like well you don't know anything about Rubik's Cube so <laughs> <laughs> but, mate, he's, uh, he's unreal he, he's fun like after saying some videos over it's ridiculous it's ridiculous oh if you got a video we could put on our yeah. uh, social media that'd be great we could show everyone yeah I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you uh, I'll send you one over brilliant um, and maybe it's too young to ask this but um, you know that thing that they say about twins having a telepathy and knowing things about each other? Have you seen any? Do you know what I mean? They talk, yeah, I've seen. I think I, I've not seen any of it. You know what I did used to get, which you did used to freak me out when they were babies. Like 
if one of them got hiccups, the other one would get hiccups straight away. It'd be well weird. Really? It'd be very odd uh, and stuff like that. Like if one would wake up in the night, it could be in separate rooms. The other one would yeah. wake up at the same time. Stuff like that, like that, that would be weird. But since, yeah. since them being really small, I've not really seen much of it, to be honest. But now that you ask, like that did remind me that that, that did used to happen a lot. Is like one would cough. And before they were like old enough to realise, oh, I can copy each other. Like when I was talking about when they're really small, like yeah, a few yeah. months old. Like the other one would start coughing and stuff like that, or hiccup in it. It'd be weird. Oh, that's mad. I didn't know that happened. Neither did Do I. Do you not it's know about really... that? Twin telepathy. And then, like, before you know it, they'll be on the other side of the world and they'll be, you know, whatever. Coughing. <laughs> coughing. Yeah. Are you yeah. coughing as well? Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. lockdown, to be fair. It was COVID, yeah. so it might have been that. Yeah. Oh, are they in the same room? What, sleeping in the same room? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And yeah. is that tough then, or is that all right? Well, to be honest, they still uh, sometimes they still wake up at nights and stuff. And like, for example, last it was either last night or the night before, one of them came in our bed, and I'm like, oh right, you're going back, yeah. to put it, put him back in bed, and then he like starts crying and starts waking the other one up, stuff like that. It's, yeah, you know, that's a killer. And like, oh, shut up, just shut up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I bet you were, take that Rubik's cube. Copy your older brother. Um, uh, Tommy, we're asking a final question. We ask everyone this. Um, what's the uh, one thing that you're... Uh, what, are you married? Is it wife or partner? Wife? Yeah, I've got wife. What? Yeah, married, wife. Married. You're married. Um, what's the one thing your wife does parenting-wise when you go, you're unbelievable, I'm so lucky to have kids with you? And then what's the one thing she does that drives you a bit mad? And if you mentioned it on here and she were to listen, she might go, yeah, you got a fair point there, Tom. That, that must be a bit annoying. There's, there's some points... Like, because she she like breastfed all three of our kids, even the wow. twins. Wow! And to, and I just can't believe that, that is possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you suggesting she was lying? Is she doing two at once there, like that? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. God. Um, for like for ages as well, though, not like a couple of days. I was talking like till you know, I don't know, like I couldn't tell you in months, but like at least six months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And like that is some mental strength just to be able to do that in my like, yeah, to wake yeah. up because they wake up all the time, like, yeah. like day and night. They're just like two kids are just like attached to you. It's wild. So yeah, that that's definitely something that I was like, wow, this is something that I could definitely couldn't do. And as far as on the other hand, I don't know. Like we always. So the way that we worked it is she fed I always kids. love this bit when everyone runs through the ones they can I say this in public <laughs> <laughs> how annoyed do I want to make her she fed the kids through the night right yeah and then she would always have a lion like in the mornings get up at like nine-ish ten-ish like yeah um and that was great like at the time awesome like fair play now she still does that <laughs> Even though she's not feeding him in the night anymore. So now I'm a bit like, well, I'm up here from seven and you're still in bed at night on a weekend. I'm like, I'm, you should be both of us up, do you know what I mean? But she's repaying me. She's repaying me. So I've got to accept it. Got to, exactly. I, I wasn't breastfeeding at any point. Fair play. She's still in, due, she's still in credit after all that breastfeeding and the definitely, early and the late definitely. nights. 
Um, Tom, it's absolutely been amazing. Thanks so much. Nice. I know you're a busy man. Absolute joy. Um, good luck with the next fight. Um, I'll, I'll be there. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks for being on, mate. I never realised how interested we were in Rubik's Cubes. I'll send you the video. You might even be more interested when you see the videos. Incredible. I can't stuff. wait. Can't wait. Uh, cheers, Tom. Cheers, cheers mate. Thank you. Thank cheers, you. bye. Cheers. Tom Aspinall, what a lovely bloke. Oh, he's a lovely guy, and he's, so, and he's so good at UFC or MMA. He's I'm unbelievable. Gonna, he's I'm going to so, order a Rubik's Cube, Rob. Go and watch some Tom Aspinall highlights. He is an absolute fucking killer, but he's so composed and talented as at mixed martial arts. He's not like just an animal bruiser. He no, he's not. Exactly he's a what, lovely bloke. No, but I'm saying that, but when he fights, he don't just have, he could, he's just so massive and hard. He's six foot four, absolute beast. Um, on Zoom. The Rubik's Cube stuff was amazing. What a lovely bloke. Rob, yeah, good you've guy. got to go and do something. Yeah, I've got to go. See you All later, right. mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.